Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and you're very welcome to the show, which is part of the Education on Fire podcast network. I just wanted to take this moment to thank our sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education, who speak for young children and all who live and work for them. This can include parents, teachers, governors and all those interested in primary education. NAEP, which is a non-political charity, works tirelessly to support teachers in the classroom and leads the primary umbrella group of 30 primary subjects associations and unions and gives teachers and schools a voice at governmental level at consultation meetings with ministers for schools. If you'd like your voice to be heard and to find out more information, please visit their website at nape.org.uk. That's N-A-P-E Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Primary Music Special, episode 102. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor, and this our Primary Music on Fire specials, combining our Primary Music on Fire membership site and all the great content and things we have in there that we're sharing with you, and also linking that into some of the seasons that we've been doing, especially our English season in literacy, which we did relatively recently. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Glenn Carter, who's from History Rocks. So I'm very excited to see how this music stroke curriculum fits in and his background and his history. So Glenn, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start with a little bit of, of background in terms of, of your professional background, how you, where you're teaching and what you're doing at the moment and how you managed to get into this amazing History Rocks idea. Right. So uh, I didn't start off as a teacher. Uh, I did my history degree and master's um, and then I worked in local museums for a little bit and then moved into teaching from there. And then from there I became the history coordinator and that's what I've been ever since. Um, and then within school, the school that I'm at, we we do sort of class assemblies, which I know are a, a big thing across the country. Um, but in our school, they are quite a, a big thing in general. Um, the, not sort of just 10 minute show and tell it's a half an hour west end production style kind of thing with songs and performances and things so i'd heard a few other teachers telling me about um how the the former deputy headed had written their own songs for their assemblies i thought i, I can go better than that you just play the piano i'm going to bring a whole band in so the, the first kind of assembly i did um, was all around fables so i rewrote the um the, the fable of the tortoise and the hare and sort of rocked that up a little bit, which uh, nobody else has ever heard. Um, and then from there, I thought, well, actually, the next assembly I do, if it's going to be a history one, I want to, to do my own history songs from there. So the next one was about uh, the Stone Age, um, which has actually become one of the most popular of songs on my YouTube channel, on my, uh, on my page as well, um, about the Stone Age sucks. Um, and... And then it just kind of developed from there, really. I wrote one song, and then I wrote another song. Um, and then a couple of people within the school asked me, oh, look, I, I could do with a song myself. Could you write one? Because we were finding that, actually, as the children got older, sort of year four, five, and six, a lot of the, the music that was out there that was kind of topic-specific was just a little bit babyish, really. So, And I love sort of rock and metal, heavy metal kind of music, so... I wanted to kind of expose them a little bit to that kind of side because I was a little bit fed up with them just seeing rap and pop music kind of thing. So it kind of developed from there. I wrote half a dozen songs um, and then I started branching out to things like science and geography, just a few of those. 
Um, I started the page on Facebook, um, which was then shared around um, quite nicely. And then I started taking requests. So if people had requests for things, well, I'd take them. I'd see how viable it was. And then I started moving into, well, actually people want a visual representation into kind of doing lyric videos. Um, I can do a little bit of animation, but it just takes so long to do. So then it moved into producing these kind of little lyric videos to go with things, starting a YouTube channel. And then I kind of left it for a little while after I'd created sort of nearly about 30 songs in total. And then I've just come back to it in about the past sort of three or four months to start publishing some of my own historical content because I'm just so passionate about history. And yeah, it's just all kind of taken off from there, really. And it's it's doing really well. And I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. And where did the, the music prowess come from? You sort of said you had a history degree and, and you sort of been down that route from, from that sort of early professional level. Where did the music side come from? Was that just sort of a passion from your sort of younger days? Yeah, so I, I was, when I was a teenager, I was into sort of rap music. And then my dad brought home um, a copy of Led Zeppelin, uh, the greatest hits it was a cover of them i think dress up as spacemen or something and uh i remember he played dazed and confused and i was listening to the the crazy violin uh bow section in the middle where it just sounds like noise and at the time i was going what on earth is this dad what are you doing and then it kicked in with a solo and i was absolutely blown away by it and i was like right i need to hear more so then he put on black dog I was like, right, that's amazing to hear that. And then he, he brought home Black Sabbath as well, and I was completely hooked with that. Uh, from there, it was I knew I wanted to play the guitar, so I started learning. I was about 14 at the time. started learning to play the guitar, um, and taste got heavier and heavier into things like Iron Maiden, Metallica, and then got more extreme, Slipknot, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I started playing, and I remember my first teaching practice uh, you know, I'd only been in the classroom a few weeks, literally thrown into the classroom, and I was told, right, you're going to do a, a maths starter. That's all I had to do. You know, I was just learning on the job, and I thought, right, I'm going to do it. Uh, my parents had bought me an acoustic guitar. I just had electrics. Uh, bought me an acoustic guitar and said, right, this is for your teaching career. And I've still got it now. I still haven't actually changed the strings on it from all those years ago, and that needs doing. Um, and I wrote a song about area and perimeter uh, which actually I've never used again, which I need to do. I need to bust that out, really. And it was the first thing I ever did in a lesson was sing a song about area and perimeter. I still remember some of it now, area, perimeter. And it was it was really terrible, but the kids loved it. And from there, I thought, right, this is what I need to do. I need to bring this in. And then sort of in my personal life, I started getting into bands and uh, recording bits and bobs. Nothing major, just local, but... It kind of all stemmed from there, and then I got into sort of a lot of home recording, uh, recording all the guitars, drums and things, started doing a bit of singing, um, and yeah, it kind of just took off from there, really. It's probably quite hard to tell, maybe, from where you are, because you, you, you are the teacher, they are your passions, they are the things that you mm. do, but I would imagine from a pupil's point of view, it just open, opens up a whole world of of ah oh, my teacher does this and this is their background yeah. and this is what they like to do you know despite the the educational elements or or, or the sort of the, the stuff that we can discuss from a sort of a technical point of view just the yeah. fact that it's kind of wow my teacher does that. that that's a completely different ball game a completely different conversation starter really oh yeah totally um like one of the first things that they when i get a new class one of the first things they ask me when i, when I say right does anybody got any question for me is do you have a youtube channel I'll go yes i've got three YouTube channels. I've got one just starting off as me, G Carter, which 
one of my videos on there, Animals of the Stone Age, which again, I made just purely for school, um, but I thought I'd put it up there to share. That's got over a million views on it. Um, so I've got over about a thousand subscribers on that one channel, which to be honest, I don't really post a lot onto that one. Um, but then I've got my History Rocks channel, and I've got my Life Lessons with Mr. C channel as well. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that we're growing up with a YouTube generation, that hooks them instantly. They're there thinking, oh, right, well, I can go and watch my teacher. I can go and listen to my teacher on YouTube. And then they go and share it with the parents and what have you and the friends. And yeah, just it, you're right. It becomes a bit of a talking point for them. And a, oh, my, my teacher actually does what I want to do as well. And it, it helps with that kind of home learning because I can say to them, right, go and listen to this song. We've got this coming up for assembly. This is where you can hear it. Go and listen to it there. I'm sort of, sort of just sort of thinking about how those conversations go, but like I say, you know, you are a YouTuber. Like I said, there's so many kids who want to be YouTube star and famous and all that kind oh, of yes. thing. Um, and and for them to be exposed to the things that they actually have to learn as well, you know, that that's 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 the great tie-in, isn't it? It's the fact that yeah, it's well, not that's... doing it for the sake of it. It really is kind of ah, oh, but we're studying this, and I've got something relevant and something which you're going yeah, to enjoy well, that's too. It. And something that I try to get into them as well is that you can't just film yourself because. Part of my kind of role that I've taken on myself uh, within school is to, because I'm, I'm currently a year five teacher, and obviously they're getting to that age where they're starting to want to publish themselves on YouTube and all these various social media outlets, is that I try and find their channels and check them and then bring it back into the classroom and say to them, right, do you realize that you've done this? You've, you've put your name out there. You've, you've done a video in the inside of your house with a picture of your brother on the background so I can start to work out all these details. And I kind of try and tie it in from an e-safety point of view, um, showing them, well, actually, I do know what I'm talking about. I do this myself. And I show them and say, well, actually, look at my videos. You never see my face on these things. So, you know, there's a couple of them that I do that maybe is done throughout school, which is fine as an adult, but I don't ever show anything that would give anybody else away. But then what I also do as well as part of kind of the music curriculum is because I've got that knowledge in kind of editing music and putting it together is I'll show them how modern music is actually made. I'll show them recordings that I've done uh, with my kind of history rock songs, particularly something like the uh, the Egyptian one about the mummies, because on that one, I did a lot of overdubs on that. A lot of uh, a lot of different tracks with the vocals, getting different layers and different harmonies and things. And I'll show them it. I'll show them the different layers so that they actually get an understanding because a lot of children don't understand how music is actually made. They think it's just somebody goes in, they do a quick take, and then that's it, it's produced, and they don't realise all the editing that goes in there. And then I tie it into things like uh, auto-tuning, uh, pitch correction, adding effects onto it, panning left and right, and all of that kind of stuff. And then we look at sort of examples in the real world. So I'll find isolated vocal tracks from ordinary bands, things like Nickelback or Metallica or pop stars like Katy Perry, and I'll we'll, I'll show them the the kind of level that of editing that goes on in them uh, in the real world. So if we listen to something like uh, Katy Perry, uh, Extraterrestrial, I think it is, you know, that when you isolate those vocals and you can hear, you can find them just free on YouTube. Um, you hear the amount of delay and reverb that's on there and the amount of harmonies that are in there, and you can tell a lot of them have just been copied and pasted. And then I'll relay that back to kind of more kind of rock bands where you can hear that actually each take has been done individually and get them to kind of form their own judgments as to what they prefer, what they like the sound the sound of, the effect of it, whether it has impact or not. And then we'll listen to, to things like uh, Omi Cheerleader as well. When you isolate the vocals on that, oh dear Lord, you can hear like the auto-tune, the, the <laughs> level of auto-tune that's going on in that. But 
they can't hear that. I'll play both versions. I'll play the normal version with all the instruments, and then I'll play the isolated vocal, and you can hear his voice wobbling all over the place. And then they start to go, oh, I, I didn't realise all this was happening. And then I'll tie in with things like um, lip-syncing as well, where people have been caught out lip-syncing, and the, they don't realise that this is a thing. They just think that what they see is real. And we kind of need to show children the, the kind of the truth behind it so that they don't have a warped view of the music industry, which obviously a lot of people still have. And I think what this really goes to show, and, and we sort of talk about cross-curricular and that kind of thing, but yeah. what, I think in reality it's just about teaching live, which is relevant to the children, isn't it? You know, it's that yeah, kind of, of it for, from just having that sense, you know, history rock sounds like it's going to be some songs related sort of in rock music based on history. And yet we've spent the last 10 minutes talking about, you know, music production, um, yeah. editing, you know, as well as the history side in terms of getting the kids involved in any in safety. Um, and I think when you sort of suddenly understand that actually it's about the breadth of it not just in terms of cross-curricular in a, in a in an educational point of view but in a in a real life point of view then i think it becomes more accessible i mean certainly from my my point of view anyway it start, starts to feel like it's it's relevant in so many factors on a day-to-day basis yeah well that's it the the beauty of this of the 2014 curriculum well and its curse as well is that it is so open so when you look at something like the music curriculum itself there's only a handful of statements and to be honest they're not very specific it says to learn about and appreciate a wide range of music that's a statement you know but within that you can do whatever it is that you want so that's where i've gone with this kind of music production side is not just listening to music and going right mozart the great artist great you know great composer there you go appreciate it please is making it more relevant to the children and bring it into the 21st century and showing them, well, actually, look, this is, this is real life. This is how it, this is how the big boys do it. You know, your favorite artists, this is what happens. And again, with things like the history curriculum, with it being sort of fairly open, you can do what you want with it. So I can bring my songs into it. And quite often uh, what I'll do is if it's appropriate is we'll listen to the song. I'll put the lyrics in front of the children. And because I've, I've done like a lot of research around and the songs themselves and the, the lyrical content then actually is relevant it's not just a, a throwaway catchy song um, just for an assembly it actually does have relevance to the topic and we'll sit and look at the lyrics we'll break them down then the children generally go off and learn the song themselves I don't tell them to but because I'm the teacher and they think it's cool then quite often if, if I put it on they'll just start singing along with it which is fantastic but then I know myself because obviously I've made the songs, I've produced the songs, I've written the lyrics and things. If there's something I want to know, I'll play the song back in my head, you know, and I'll think about the lyrics that I've been singing, that I've been listening to, and then hopefully the children themselves will do that. So I'm trying to kind of build on on their knowledge of everything, really. And, and when they've got that framework, like you said, whether it's been told to them or whether they're doing it automatically of kind of, oh, I'm going to learn the song, I'm going to make sure I know what's going on within it from a lyrical point yeah. of view, then, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Because, like I say, because you've got complete control of that content and you've been able to put all that educational value in there, um, it's almost like osmosis, I guess. Yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. getting it originally from the learning. And then, like I say, if you can then recall it and understand how all that is. I remember my kids doing the same sort of thing from sort of the whole horrible histories kind of songs yeah. in that as well it's that kind of oh no we need to know where one of the kings and queens were and then they start <laughs> singing through the whole thing but yeah. but it really does work doesn't it yeah it's great and that's absolutely the point i mean i started off as well uh, with some daft little times tables videos um which 
I, I did in my NQT year, which I made on PowerPoint because I didn't really have a video editor at the time. Um, and I found a, a piece of software called Songsmith, which is free if you've just got a Microsoft account. Um, and the beauty of that, I mean, I was, I was able to make my own songs at that point. But the beauty of that, of that piece of software, I, I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever used it? I haven't, no, no. Oh, it's fantastic because what it does is you just choose the kind of style that you want. So there's loads of different styles. There's a lot of different sort of little uh, twirly knobs and things on it that you can have a mess about with, whether you want to have a swing feel or not. And then as long as you've got a microphone, you just start singing into it and it will find your pitch and match the instruments to it. So you don't actually have to play any instruments. You just start singing and it will change the, the the key the pitch to match your voice so that was really easy i just sang through them but i did that because i found that on things like youtube which obviously was a little while ago it's obviously exploded uh, a lot since that time um was that a lot of the songs weren't keeping a rhythm they didn't have that and that's obviously what makes us remember songs and, and music is that kind of that rhythm that repeat so i thought well actually i'm going to start putting a rhythm to these times table songs so that it isn't just one times one is one two times two is four you know it actually fit together and the, the i use i still use them now even though they're not the greatest of quality the microphone wasn't very good it was a you know a, about three pound usb microphone it wasn't great but i still use them now and the kids still love them and they can still sing those songs back to me and it's it's about tapping into that the different methods that we can use to get the children to learn yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And we'll make sure that we've got links to all these things on the show notes. So if you go to educationonfire.com forward slash Glenn Carter, then we'll make sure that um, all those things are on there so you can explore those in, in your own time as well. Um, so let's just take it back to the actual history side of it yeah. um, per se at the moment. So what sort of songs and breadth and what sort of topics have you covered um, on, on your site so far? Oh, wow. Um, so it started off with pretty much whatever I was doing in class. Um, so I started off looking at Stone Age. Um, so I've got a couple of songs about the Stone Age uh, on there. One about sort of generally Stone Age being pretty awful time if you were there. Um, one about inventions that people came up with. Um, and then one which was more local about sort of cave paintings and things. But then as I started to move on, I, I didn't really, I hated seeing when teachers were recycling the same assemblies over and over again. So I thought, well, actually, I want to do different ones. So then I'd move on to um, slightly different things. So I did one about science and, and light and that kind of stuff. But then when I got into year five, we sort of looked at the Greeks and the Vikings and Anglo-Saxons. So I, I made another couple of uh, songs about Zeus and the gods. I made one about uh, the Spartans, um, covered the Anglo-Saxons generally about being an Anglo-Saxon Vikings um, I mean, I had a child, I had a couple of children last year who were really good. I mean, this was back end of year five, really good rappers. Um, so I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll play to your strengths. It's not what I would normally do, but I used um, Garage Band and put a couple of samples together and got and did like a, a stupid Viking boast <laughs> battle rap kind of thing. But the kids took charge of that and it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, seeing the performance, seeing them doing it, it was absolutely great. But again, it was tapping into their interest, not just mine. Um, but I've covered things like Kings and Queens. Um, we've looked at some Scottish history because I had a request to do that from someone off uh, the uh, Scottish primary teachers Facebook group. Um, looked at mummies, Romans, Mayans, most of the topics that you'll find within within the, uh, the curriculum, uh, within the history kind of curriculum I've covered uh, just to try and hit as many people as I could. I've even, I even tried to sort of 
get uh, into the American market and I did about the American Revolution. But to be honest, that was just going to take too much time. And I didn't really have anybody that I could liaise with on the the American curriculum. And it seems quite bitty, to be honest, that it's not where we have sort of in the UK a national curriculum. They seem to have more of a state curriculum, which could change and vary. And I thought, oh, that's going to get too too complicated. So I kind of I did that one and then took a step back from it. And like you said, with you know busy life in terms of still teaching in a school for five days a week with history rocks. And and you mentioned before about CPD. Just tell us a little bit about that that sort of aspect of your life as well. Yeah. So last year I got in touch with um, Lee Brothwell from Historic Workshops, and I booked him to come in. Um, and at that point I wasn't really um, massive massively involved with anything sort of teacher-esque education side of things on uh, on Facebook but I got in touch with him and he came and he did a, a workshop in our school and it was absolutely fantastic and me and him really hit it off with our love for history and our passion for it and and then he said right well I own the uh, the primary teachers Facebook group so do you want to, to be involved with that and I said oh definitely yeah of course I do so I kind of got involved with that and then from there I've started to build connections with other people and now I'm starting to do a lot more work with companies outside of this, trying to promote uh, different companies and different products and things. And then a couple of months ago, getting involved back again with the history rock side of things and creating my own materials, um, I put myself forward for the um, Historical Association Primary Committee, which I've now joined, which is fantastic. And then alongside that with Lee, um, delivering my own um, history CPD for, for teachers. And I offer that kind of um, locally and nationally as well through things like Skype so that I can try and target as many people as I can. And obviously with the new Ofsted framework coming out, then curriculum's a, a big focus for people and making sure that all those uh, the topics, geography, science, RE, art, they're all being hit. So it, it's kind of taken off a little bit in the minute, but it, it, does put a, it does put a strain on you when you... I am a full-time teacher and then trying to, to mix in all those other things with a family as well. It, it's tough, but the, the reward's amazing. And, and and I think once you get into that circle of, of enthusiasm, like you say, it's sort of, you're right, you get sort of time poor quite quickly, but because you're you're doing it in your way, you know, you're not bogged down in the curriculum, you're you're excited and expanding through the curriculum, through through the music and, and the assemblies and then being able to share that in the C P D and I just think all that sort of ripple effect from that initial excitement that you can bring, I, I think has is so inspiring for hopefully for people listening, um and, and in terms of them being able to see how other people are doing it in a different way and I just think I mean I mean from a musical point of view as a musician myself you know that kind of what's the music I need to do in the national curriculum with a sheet of paper in front of you Mm. is a very different prospect to ah right we're going to listen to Katy Perry and see how all that builds up and all that sort of thing um and and it's a million miles away and I I think sharing those ideas is just fantastic yeah I mean when I look at some of the the teachers within my own school who sort of do music, yeah, of course, that that's all got a place in there. It has to be the children have to learn music, they have to learn the instruments and stuff. But unfortunately, there isn't that knowledge out there of music production. You know, there are very few people who are teachers who have that knowledge of it, who maybe played in bands and who are willing to share it. And I think if you have got that knowledge or some aspect of music um, that you can bring to the table, even if it's just playing your instrument, um, to the children, whatever instrument it is, do it. Get it out there, show the children, because actually that one moment could spark someone. Um, it could change them and get them excited for it. You know, I've had a, a number of children where I've played guitar in the classroom and 
they've come up to me and then told me, right, I want to learn to play guitar because I've seen you do. And you think, wow, that's that's an amazing moment. And if you can show them things like music production, they might look at it and go, wow, that I love that. That's amazing. I do something similar at home. Um, and something else I do as well is I show them how you can make music without actually being musical. So uh, using my, my sort of Promethean Active panel, um, I can sort of load apps onto it, Android-based apps. And I use things like a music studio that's on there or things like acoustic that are on there, which you can, you know, you, you put in the sounds that you want. You don't have to be musical to do it. But it's trying to show the children that actually to make music, you don't have to be all that musical. You don't have to play an instrument in the traditional sense and that anybody can access it. It's a case of learning some of the timings and learning what goes uh, with what mixes with certain things. But actually, you can access it. Anyone can access it. And just trying to open that door for them. I think what I love the most about having sort of chatted to you today is the fact that what's becoming very clear is the fact that when you're authentic and when you're just being you in your classroom or with your pupils or um, however you're teaching actually you give something which is a, is a real gift to is to the children which of mm. course we all know but i think the other thing is is that if you remember you know every year the the, the children get a different person and so if you mm. can show up authentically in your way whatever that happens to be rather than worrying about it has to look like this or it has to look yeah. like that or i need to learn this what is it that you're passionate about how can you make it work for you how can you show up and and connect with the children on that real authentic level and that's really the best bit of teaching that you can do i think yeah totally and utterly so it doesn't matter whether it's music history geography art whatever it is that you are good at you need to show that you need to demonstrate it even if it's something like train spotting you need to share that with the children whatever however um simple or boring you might think that they might find it if you're passionate about when you put that passion in front of them, they will pick up on it. And music's something I'm passionate about. History's something that I'm passionate about. And you can just see it when you say, right, we're going to do music. You see the, the, the little fires light up in their eyes. When you say, right, we're going to do history, you can see it just lighting up in them when, when you say, right, we're going to do art this afternoon. Even though I'm not the greatest artist in the world, my TA is absolutely fantastic at art. And, you know, I've passed on some of the lessons I've said, oh, look, do you, do you want to teach this? Because you know what you're doing with it. And he's put that forward. And then I've seen the children become excited by it. Yeah, I can take them to do a little bit of art and whatever and show them some stuff. But because he was so passionate about it, that got the children there. And it's whatever it is that's, that you enjoy and that you can bring to the table. If And even, you know what, sometimes we kind of have to think school and education is more than just the curriculum. Because... A lot of our children are going to go off to do things that haven't been included in the curriculum. YouTube is not a part of the curriculum. Music production isn't a part of the, certainly in primary, isn't a part of the curriculum. But a lot of our children are going to go off and do those things. And we need to kind of ignite those fires and show them how it's possible. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, and I think that's it. It is the well, as I say at the end of every show, it's not the filling of a pail, it's the lighting of a fire, and I, and I mm. think that's that that's such a key thing. So. For everyone that's really keen to find out more of exactly what you're doing, where's the best place for them to go and check you out and get all the details? So probably my Facebook page for History Rocks. If you search for History Rocks, it should come up with um, prim uh, creative primary history. So if I put any new content, any new songs, any uh, resources, any videos, I generally upload it straight onto there first. Um, but there's also my website, 
as well, which you can find links to on my Facebook page, which is mrcarterrocks.wixsite.com slash historyrocks. Fantastic. And as I said, we'll have all those details on the on the show notes on educationonfire.com forward slash Glenn Carter. Um, Glenn, thanks so much for chatting today. It's been really inspiring. I, I, I love it when the passion just shines through and, and, um, and I love the way these conversations really sort of connect every part of, of school life. And, and I think that's something which we can all be really inspired by and, um, and, and, and gain some kind of real excitement about our future going forward. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's, you don't realise all the connections that you make uh, within school until you do something like this. So thank you for uh, making me realise what, what sort of an important job that we have. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. Do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school? If so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school, and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music.